Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Sunday. Welcome to the Sunday Brunch edition of John Solomon Reports. Hey, I'm on the road down in Florida, so I'm going to make this quick today. We've got a great, great show for you. We're going to kick it off with Monica Crowley. Early in her career, she was a foreign policy advisor to former President Richard Nixon, where she really distinguished herself for her economic and foreign policy prowess. She later became one of the most recognizable faces on Fox News, one of the biggest thinkers in the world, wrote for me at the Washington Times and was a a deputy editorial page editor for me there. Then she served President Trump as an assistant secretary of the Treasury. And today she has one of the most popular and one of my favorite podcasts. I don't listen to many podcasts, but I do listen to Monica Crowley's show all the time. She is such a thoughtful thing. She's going to join us at the top of the hour, and she's going to explain to you why she thinks the next Republican president might just defund, no, not the police, the United Nations. All of the anti-Semitism, hate, anti-American sentiments. Why are we paying for it? That's the question Monica Crowley is going to ask and probably answer at the top of the hour. We're looking forward to that. Then we've got Congressman Mike Collins from Georgia. He's only a freshman, but he's made a big difference already. He's got a big impact, a lot of friends. He's a trucking company owner, and he's now running for vice chairman of the Republican Conference as a freshman. That's pretty unusual, but he's got a lot of friends, and uh, he's going to explain what he's up to, what's going on in Congress. We've also got some other great guest, Brent Sadler, one of the great national security thinkers in the country. He's going to join us as well as Chairman Drew McKissick. He is the chairman of South Carolina Republican Party, where they have grown the state redder and redder year by year. They do a lot of good early voting stuff there. They're a model for the rest of the country, like North Carolina is too. He's also the vice chairman of the Republican National Committee. He's going to tell us what to expect in the election. No, not the 2024 election. That's a little farther off. There's an election next Tuesday. You probably forgot about it. This Tuesday, November 7th, some off-year elections, some big prizes, including Kentucky governor, New Jersey, and the big one that a lot of people are watching for is a bellwether. Can Governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia turn the legislature completely red? That would be a game changer for 2024 and beyond. We'll have that in the fourth block of the show. We've really got a great show. We're really proud to be with you today. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to start the day off with my good friend and one of the great conservative thinkers in all of America, Monica Crowley, right after this. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back, everybody. The rise of anti-Semitism in our country and across the globe is Alarming and disturbing. It's been on full display, whether that be on our college campuses or by the recent invasion of Hamas into Israel. And now U.S. lawmakers like Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville are calling to withdraw all U.S. funding from the United Nations after that international body declined to pass a resolution condemning Hamas's attack on Israeli civilians. Monica Crowley, Crowley served uh, former President Richard Nixon as a foreign policy assistant and most recently in the Trump administration as the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs. She now hosts her own show, the Monica Crowley Podcast. Monica, it is always great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. So good to be with you guys. Thank you. Monica, before we talk about anti-Semitism in the United Nations, because I think that the Senator Tuberville is saying something and proposing something that a lot of people have been wanting to for a long time, but we, we have anti-Semitism right here at home, whether it's on college campuses, in American pop culture. It's even on Capitol Hill with folks like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and some of the other members of the squad. Um, you know, even as recently as, as a few years ago, the opinion of anti-Semitism, that, that grotesque quality that some people have, 
was a low-level opinion, and now they are saying the quiet part out loud. How how have we allowed this to to propagate so much that they can be so brazen and not really receive any censure, as we already saw? You know, out of the horrifying things we've seen over the last three weeks since Hamas attacked Israel, this kind of rampant wide-open anti-Semitism that we're seeing across the West, and particularly here in the United States, Amanda and John, that has to be one of the most disturbing. Because what it makes clear is that this kind of uh, raging anti-Semitism was always there. It was always bubbling underneath the surface, and only now do they feel comfortable enough just to let it run wild and be open and in everyone's face unapologetically. College campuses, of course, because they have long been hotbeds of Marxism, anti-Semitism, and all other kinds of, of radicalism, but now we're seeing it spill over into other parts of the culture, other institutions, as you mentioned, Congress, of course, with the Hamas caucus, uh, that is very openly anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. So the fact now that it is so open and the fact that people feel so comfortable expressing this kind of anti-Semitism is very, very disturbing and needs to be dealt with as a society and as a culture. Yeah, it really does. It is one of the great challenges of our generation to get on top of. Uh, I'd like to uh, follow up on where Amanda was going, because this proposal on the United Nations, I never would have thought in my lifetime that a, a, a body that was created to instill peace and to repel terror and war would have a problem uh, censuring a, a terrorist act that was one of the most heinous in uh, humanity. What is going on at the U.N. and what should be the proper resolution for it? You know, John, it's a great question, and you point to the origins of the United Nations. The UN came out of the ashes of World War II. And of course, what happened during World War II? Of course, we had the Holocaust. And then the state of Israel in 1948 came out of the ashes of World War II and the Holocaust. The United Nations was created as a result of that conflagration based on the concept of never again. We say never again with regard to the Holocaust and have over the last many decades, never again was a moral imperative. It was not a suggestion. And so for the body of the United Nations to not even be able to get their act together just to pass a resolution to condemn what Hamas has done to Israel and the taking of over 1,600 lives when hostages are still being held by Hamas in Israel is absolutely disgusting, but it is not surprising. The United Nations has long been a breeding ground of hate. It's long been a cesspool of anti-Semitism, anti-Israel activity, anti-American activity, and frankly, anti-Western activity. They have all long embraced terrorist organizations, terrorist countries like Iran, coddle them, but also dictators and authoritarians of all stripes have been perfectly happy and at home at the UN, while freedom-loving countries like Israel and the United States have been put on the back heel by the UN. It is long past time that the United States removes itself from this cesspool. And I have a strong feeling that if President Trump is reelected, he will do exactly that. I want to make one other point. The other president for whom I have worked, very blessedly so, President Richard Nixon during the last years of his life, he famously said, and this was 20, 30 years ago now, he famously said, it is long past time for the United States to exit the UN and for the UN to exit the United States. And I think now we're at that point, once again, where public pressure could build for that kind of move. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and some people refer to United Nations as useless nations because since its inceptions, many of the purposes for which it began don't happen. I mean, they, they have been unable to prevent global conflict. Uh, they have not been able to unify a body under any any unifying concept. They have given voice to tyrannical regimes. But I'll play devil's advocate here. If there are some purposes for which they have fulfilled, they have lived up to those and and anything good left about the United Nations, isn't there some type of replacement body that we can institute for just those purposes alone? And what would that look like? (laughs) It's an interesting question. Look, the original conception of this kind of international body to handle issues of war and peace was the League of Nations, um, which fell apart around World War II. I mean, it was... failed to prevent that conflagration. So after World War II, um, I'm sorry, World War I. So after World War II, they decided to try the concept again. And of course, no nation is going to abdicate its responsibility to protect its own sovereignty and is never going to subsume its own interests for the interest of the international community. So by from the very beginning, these kinds of international bodies just really can't work because every nation has its own set of interests and and uh, policy objectives that are diametrically opposed to so many others in that body. So that's just the nature of the beast. The United Nations, the, the United States should have no part of this organization. It is active, actively working against the U.S. and Israel, so many of our other, other allies, not protecting for Freedom, not protecting America's interest. And there's no reason for us not just to be a part of the UN as a, as a key member, but to finance so much of it. So I'm all for a movement to begin to exit the U.S. out of the U.N. and withhold all funding until we can fully exit and defund that organization. Yeah, that's a a movement that's going to pick up steam, I predict. You can see it uh, just starting to get that groundswell. Monica, I want to talk about President Biden because he said, I stand firmly with Israel. Well, for about five, six days he did. But last night, maybe on script, maybe off script, he basically said, oh, time for a pause in the war. I can't imagine anyone telling us six, seven days into the Afghan war, oh, you guys should stop now. Uh, What uh, was he thinking and what is the long term impact of what Joe Biden did last night? Well, I think he's feeling a lot of pressure from the far left in his party, and he's he is part of that as well. So this is no surprise coming from Biden. But there's tremendous pressure coming from the radical left, the AOCs of the world, the Hamas caucus uh, in Congress, but others within his administration who have threatened to quit over a more pro-Israel kind of stance coming from this president. So now he has felt well, it's time to withdraw full support of Israel and call for this kind of pause. You guys will notice that Joe Biden is not calling for Hamas to give up the hostages and then full unconditional surrender after attacking the state of Israel. Instead, he's calling on Israel to pause their assault against this terrorist organization that has taken so many innocent lives in the most brutal and vicious kinds of ways. So no, this is a form of moral equivocation, totally appalling on the part of the American president, but sadly uh, predictable as well. Yeah. Monica, I want to ask you quickly before we go, um, I think that President Biden is in a very tricky area because in, in 2020, he enjoyed a good portion of the youth vote. But the youth vote is also mm-hmm. uh, leaning more in the pro-Palestinian direction. Does this have an effect on his electability next year? 
It's going to be very interesting because there are a lot of core constituencies for the Democratic Party who are not happy with Joe Biden. Now, these younger people who are steeped in the language of the oppressor and the oppressed and victimhood and safe spaces and all of this other nonsense, this woke communist nonsense, um, they are falling away from Joe Biden because of his relatively strong position, at least until now, on Israel. So they're falling away from him, but for the wrong reasons. Folks, don't go anywhere. Congressman Mike Collins from Georgia. He could soon be the vice chairman of the Republican conference in the House. He's going to join us, explain what's up there and on so many issues before Congress will have that next. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. He's Congressman Mike Collins, and he joins us right now. Sir, great to have you aboard. Hey, Great to be with y'all, John and Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, I want to get your reaction to something we just talked about top of the show. Joe Biden was using an email account, not one, not two, but three private email accounts as vice president. You think after the Hillary Clinton scandal, people would might tighten that up a little bit. Uh, and now all these years later, we find out the National Archives has 82,000 pages of his prose in those emails that apparently are government related. That's why they were turned over to uh, the archives. The idea that there's such a huge library and yet the uh, oversight committee has just 14 pages. Seems like some investigating to do, no? You know, it's amazing. You're talking about the same agency that is involved with Jack Smith and indicting Donald Trump 
and, and cooperating fully there. But then when you get over to, to the Biden administration and investigation when he was the vice president, 82,000 emails. I mean, John, think about that. Now, I know Biden is a, a man of very lengthy words, <laughs> but uh, if you had one page emails, 82,000 he would have to put out 28 emails a day for 365 days for the entire eight years. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the fact that, that, that Comer, Jordan, and, and Smith with, in Ways and Means, just a yeoman's job, just a testimony to what they've been able to uncover and what they're going to continue to uncover with this crooked administration of the Biden family. Yeah, that's right. Right. But, sir, if he types the way that he talks, there are going to be a lot of spaces in between all of those words. So maybe that's why it's well, so that, extended. That could be. <laughs> yeah. There could all right, be a lot so of translation Joe, losses. There could be. Absolutely. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Somebody's got to sneak in there and do some translating. So he is the king of emails. But you are, I think, widely regarded as the meme lord on Capitol Hill. And I bring that up because even in your letter announcing your candidacy for vice chair of yeah. the conference, you had a meme in there. And I thought thought it was so perfect. And I love, you know, your, your style of legislating, I think, is just complete no nonsense. As vice chair, how do you whip all of these different factions of the caucus together? Well, you know, I think it's this this particular position is just a, a conference position to back up our message and our chair and make sure that we get that across mm -hmm. uh, to the American people and help our conference uh, do that in different venues and different avenues. And, uh, you know, the memes were just a way that we've been able to plug in uh, to a different group of people from just traditional media. So it's been a big help to us. Uh, you know, I've always told my crew and anything I've ever done in life that I want to be the most technologically advanced and on the cutting edge of, of anything that we get involved with. And so those memes were just a way to poke a little fun at a serious situation, and we were able to do that and, uh, you know, look forward to, uh, if the good Lord willing and the conference agrees, it, uh, helping out our chair and helping out our conference to get our message out and grow. Yeah, and there's nothing like the power of humor sometimes to make a point, and that's, I think, what your means have done so well. It's great. So I want to talk about the big uh, difference between the House and Senate right now when it comes to the foreign aid for the wars in Israel and Ukraine. Uh, Old-fashioned right. Re old Republicans and Democrats, they want to put in one big stew pot and throw it all together like they've been spending for the last 20, 30 years. All of you in the House want to see it separate so that each can be voted on the merits. How is this going to play out? Well, it should be separated, first of all. I mean, it's, it's apples and oranges. Uh, you know, Israel is not fighting just for their land. They're fighting for their life. You're talking about a group of people that want to wipe the Jewish population off the face of the earth. And, and in Ukraine, you're looking at somebody that just wants to rebuild the, the, the Soviet Union empire and, and regain the land that they don't have anymore. So it's apples and oranges. Ukraine's sitting over there and and European Union has not done near what the United States has done to help those people. So you've got the European Union that needs to step up to the plate. And then, you know, we are here to protect Israel. We should step up, make sure, and, and we do. You know, if, if the Senate would go ahead and take up the, the uh, NDAA and get that into conference, we would provide that over $3 billion that's in there annually right. for Israel. But we also have an obligation to make sure that they have the munitions, the ammunition, any support they need from us monetarily to help ensure that those people survive. Yeah. Right. 
Well, and sir, I, I love it when some of the fiscally minded people in Congress consider funding a zero sum game. You know, if you're going to increase funding to one thing, you got to take it from yeah. another. And there are a number of people in Congress on the Republican side who don't want to be spending money uh, on on foreign wars, whether it's Ukraine, Israel. You, you have a sliver of those people as well. But there's there has been an idea floated to make it a little bit more palatable, which is taking some of that funding from the IRS. Now, I'm all for taking all the funding from the IRS. But how how is that how is that being yeah how is that being received? Well, I understand some people. I you know I don't want to get in. I'm an America First agenda representative, but with Israel, it's a little different. Uh, sure, we need to be funding and, and securing our own border. HR two sitting over in the Senate, by the way. You know, Christopher Ray, while you're over there crying. Why don't you ask them to, to go ahead and pass H.R. 2 and put that border wall up? But this with Israel is totally different. That's what I was getting at earlier. This is a fact that people are fighting to, to survive, you know, that people, that, that their lives are at stake. There's not just mm-hmm. land and, and a border. The border's irrelevant to Hamas. They've already shown that. They just want to go kill and do away with the entire Jewish population. That is a totally different um, thing that we need to be looking at to help protect these people. That's a very important point, sir. I want to talk about the green energy movement because all the way back to when you were first running for Congress and you came on my podcast and you really highlighted, listen, we're going to put all this money in and the system isn't ready for it. And now all those predictions have come true. California is actually turning away solar energy because it doesn't have the power lines to move it. EVs are being put on hold by Ford, billions of dollars because the marketplace is not there. You predicted this. How does America unwind this big disaster that is the green New Deal. Well, the, you know, we'll, we'll look to the Senate again. You know, HR one is sitting over there to That's make right. us energy independent. You know, it was so evident during the Trump administration. We were drilling here. We were a net exporter of oil, and and inflation was down. People were winning. They were buying things. You know, it, and, and it's not that complicated. This is not rocket science. What we need to do. Inflation is a direct result of the fact that we have started buying oil from our adversaries again, which also has emboldened people like Putin to go out there and start wars. Yeah. So if you want to get things under control, even China, then the easiest thing to do is to start drilling our own oil here and, and producing our own oil products, petroleum products. Just the mention that you are going to go back to drilling here will drive inflation down immediately. Yeah, that's such a mm. great point. Real quickly, sir, sir we what's... just got about... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to ask quickly the process for the election for vice chairman. What's the next few moves on that? Well, uh, next week is when we'll hold our conference and we'll have our, our election. We'll have a candidate forum. There's right. there's a few of us that are running and we'll present what uh, we think we can do to to get in there and help folks. Brent Sadler, he's at the Heritage Foundation, former military man, I think one of the most important conceptual thinkers about foreign policy and national security and military policy. He's going to join us next. We've got a lot to talk about Israel, Ukraine, China, and so much more. And also the really troubled supply chain that the U.S. military has. Joe Biden has not been able to fix it. And that's why we're running low on ammunition because we're funding Ukraine. And now we're going to need to give some stuff to Israel. We're not replacing it fast enough. He's going to explain all that to you next. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. After Hamas terrorists infiltrated and attacked Israel on October 7th, the Israeli Defense Forces have been in an active war firing thousands of rockets and bullets to defend their homeland and, of course, their people while rescuing as many hostages as they possibly can. Now, nearly 10,000 people have been killed on both sides of the conflict, and Israel has expanded its ground operation into Gaza, showing no signs of slowing down. Brent Sadler serves as a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and has served in both the Pentagon and in our Navy as a captain. And he joins us right now. Brent, it's been a while since we've had you on. It's good to have you back, sir. Thank you for having me back on tonight. Good to have you. We are delighted to have you. And speaking of that, that fateful date of October 7th, one of the uh, Hamas commanders who was very influential and uh, in, in orchestrating that attack was killed allegedly in these airstrikes, Ibrahim uh, Biari. Um, it was uh, under a refugee camp, which to me is kind of a microcosm of, of this war in general and the mindset of Israel versus Hamas, because we all know the quote that Israel uses missiles to protect their people, and the opposite is the case in Hamas. Uh, with Hamas and in Gaza, and that's what that seemed like here. But I know, I know that Gaza and Hamas are going to use this to try to to demonize Israel as far as any civilian casualties. Do you expect that to happen? No, absolutely. We already saw that from within hours of the attack on October 7th, that Hamas's propaganda machine all over the world kicked right in. And, and the yeah. geography of this conflict definitely kind of favors uh, Hamas's propaganda machine because there will be casualties. There are civilians that refuse to leave for a host of reasons. Number one on the list is Hamas won't let many flee. So there's going to be unanticipated and unfortunate civilian casualties, and they're going to use it to maximum political effect. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Brent, I want to talk a little bit about our side of the equation. We've been funding the Ukraine war and sending munitions and other equipment over. Now we're going to have to back up uh, Israel. Heritage has done a great job of highlighting the supply chain problems that the Pentagon's really had for many years. It seems to be catching up to us. Are we in a position now where supply and demand are going to be out of sync? Well, the supply and demand has been out of sync for, for a very long time. I mean, the the war in Ukraine really exposed it so blatantly that no longer could political or even uniform senior leadership could ignore it anymore and grudgingly started to make investments to grow it that we needed to. They accelerated some that were already in place. But now adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, now you've got another war where we have a close ally that needs our support, just added stress with to support Israel. Um, and so we've got to do better. We have to learn from this. And unfortunately, we have a deep hole to dig out of when it comes to our own national defense. Yeah, that we do. 
Brent, um, oftentimes on the show, we talk about national security with respect to our southern border. And we, of course, have been having these mm-hmm. conversations ever since ever since October 7th, considering how many special interest aliens have come across our border, those apprehended who are on the terror watch list. Um, and mm-hmm. you might have heard us earlier talking about uh, FBI Director Christopher Ray's very animated comments regarding the terror threat that Hamas poses here uh, on U.S. soil. And I think that for a lot of people, we, we hear those numbers, but it doesn't necessarily compute. Director Ray should know. I mean, this, granted, this was the same guy who just a few years ago uh, asserted the notion that it was white supremacy that was the greatest threat. Interesting that Islamic terrorism uh, overpassed that, I guess we'll say. Um, how concerned are you? Well, extremely concerned, and it's remarkable that it's taken this long for senior leadership that should know better that the threat was real and was present coming across the southern border for the last two years. It was patently obvious, and yet until only the last few days did you actually start to hear at least an acknowledgement that the threat is real, even though the numbers and the statistics of known terrorist people on the watch list were almost 200 up to this date in the year. I think now we're beyond that. So it defies reason and logic that securing the border wasn't placed as a higher priority from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does defy logic. That's so true. Uh, so I want to ask a little bit about the soup bowl approach to funding these wars. The Senate and uh, Joe Biden want to put it in one big stew pot, get everything they want, not have individual votes. The House seems like it's dug in and they're going to do individual votes on most of these uh, appropriations. How does this ultimately play out and what is the lesson to learn from this for future Congresses? I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons on both sides of this, and it's the the inner workings of Congress and the political machinations that are all at play as to how actually the money will get to what cause. I think I can make a very strong case to say that it's in our interest that Ukraine wins. It's in our interest that Israel prevails and defeats Hamas. Uh, The question about how the money gets to the manufacture of munitions, I mean, that's at the end of the day, it's it's going to probably go the right way because the math and the national interest are also in favor of making the deal to get things done. Uh, But in the past, when you glump a lot of things together in one bowl, so to speak, there's a lot of wasted money and a lot of unassociated expenses that don't go to serve the, the objective that you're after, and that is support Israel and support Ukraine and other third party things that really have no right being included in being funded. Yeah, great point. Brent, you brought up Ukraine. So I, I wanted to ask, you know, you have these these two scenarios, these two conflicts that we are at least financially involved, one of which Israel, we've been financially involved with for much longer as far as protecting them uh, with financial aid and, and uh, financial aid for uh, the, the Iron Dome. Um, but I wanted to yes. ask you because you hear a lot of Democrats. Not a lot of Democrats, but but a pretty significant portion on the left side calling for a ceasefire with respect to Israel. Why are we not hearing that or why haven't we heard it with respect to Ukraine and Russia? Well, the calls for a ceasefire now, that's that's a propaganda or a a political aspect of it, and it's completely devoid of any military rationale. Uh, Hamas declared war on Israel and killed over a thousand innocent civilians in the process, also taking many hostage, which are all war crimes. And that declaration of war on the part of Hamas against Israel basically means it's Israel's choice to defend itself and how it does so, as long as it's within the law of armed conflict, of course. But there's still a lot of fight that has to occur first before any peace or uh, truce can be kind of negotiated or taken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good point. So I want to ask a little bit about China. Everybody seems to be very concerned. We've already got uh, Israel, got Hamas. We've got uh, Ukraine, Russia. A lot of people are saying, what is China up to? Why are these young Chinese men sneaking across the border all of a sudden? And uh, what is all this provocation at Taiwan? What do the next six months of U.S.-China relations look like to you? Problematic is probably the singular word to describe it. China is extremely confident, uh, and it looks like they're bent on resolving the the singular most important unsolved dispute, and that is with Taiwan this decade. I mean, everything that they've done seems to point in that direction. Uh, I've seen the videos, I've seen the interviews by Mexican media with some of the, the individuals, the Chinese military age, many of them with look like military haircuts, but that may not mean anything. But certainly the Chinese coming across the southern border is a surprise and certainly another example about how porous and how open that border is, not just to folks in our hemisphere, but to folks from all over the world and many of them probably wishing to do us ill. Yeah. Brent, I wanted to ask you about a piece that you wrote, and embedded in that piece was a map of the provocations of China against Taiwan over the last two and a half decades or so. And I thought that that was an incredible visual representation of the exacerbation that has taken place. And uh, what about a month and a half ago, September 10th, I believe it was, 161 Chinese planes flying over that median barrier in uh, yeah. east of Taiwan in the Philippine Sea. How, how concerned are you that as the U.S. is involved in Israel, at least financially, in Ukraine, that this is something that the CCP is, is certainly going to seize on even more than they already have? Costing our, our munitions supply and our indu- defense industrial base definitely serves China's interest, especially if they're going to try and refine their understanding about what the U.S. is willing and capable of doing should China move on Taiwan. And my biggest fear, and the point of that that paper, it's actually the third in a series that we've done here at Heritage for the last year, is to highlight that the Chinese are positioning themselves to test our resolve in a very controlled manner. And if we don't see it for what it is, it might accelerate their timelines. Uh, if we do it right, we can actually delay things, I hope. But my fear is that we're one provocation away from bloodshed in the in Asia. Folks, Drew McKissick, yep, chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party, vice chair of the Republican National Committee. The man knows his stuff, and he's on the front line of elections 2023 and 2024. That's right, Virginia legislature. We'll have all of that. Is up for grabs next week. We'll have all of that right after this commercial break. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Welcome back, America. Election Day is right around the corner. No, not the 2024 one. We still got to get 2023 out of the way. And then that happens next week, uh, next Tuesday. And there are some very key races, including the Kentucky governor's race, Virginia legislature race. More importantly, Republicans are testing a lot of the new strategies that they have been putting, the blocking and tackling, particularly of early voting. We've got a perfect guest to bring us through that. Drew McKissick is the South Carolina Republican State Party chairman, as well as the co-chairman of the Republican National Committee. And he joins us right now. Mr. Chairman, great to have you on the show. And happy to be here. Sir, a lot of big races up next week, a lot of ground game. We see it in just in our ground reporting, yep. a lot of hard work by the Republicans. What do you expect to see next week? I mean, look, we got a lot of great candidates on the ballot uh, from Mississippi to Kentucky to Virginia, to Jersey. Uh, and you know, we're, we're looking not only to win campaigns, which is the whole purpose of our party, uh, but to use this as an opportunity to test drive, if you will, a lot of the things that we're focusing on potentially rolling out or rolling out next year. Uh, say right. specifically our Bank Your Vote program, uh, where we focus on uh, early voting, getting more Republicans who maybe have been you know, uh, hesitant to vote early, uh, who are you know, election day Republicans, as we like to call them, to get them used to voting early, getting their vote in the bank you know, so that if, if they uh, you know, have an emergency or a flat tire or something like that, or the weather's bad on election day, that their votes are already in the bank. Plus, it gives us more time to focus on what we call low propensity Republicans. You know, there are certain people who are going to crawl across broken glass to go vote on election day, which is great. But we have other people that, you know, if they vote, they'll vote Republican, but you have to poke them with a sharp stick a few times to get them to do it. Well, that's what this allows us to do. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I, and I think that the, the Bank Your Vote initiative is very smart um, and, and any type of early voting measures. But there is still the election integrity issue looming large. And I speak to hundreds of Republican voters across America who, who say to themselves, I they're mostly Trump supporters. And they say, I have no doubt in my mind that next November, Donald Trump is going to win the election. I, I have a lot of doubt that he is going to be declared the winner due to a lot of these issues that we saw in 2020. We saw them still in 2022, and they're worried we're going to see him in 2024. Well, look, it, what happened in the last, uh, well, you say 2020, and in, in some cases in 2022, uh, in, in any election, depends on where you're standing when you ask that question. Uh, so, for instance, in 2020, you, know, you saw some places where it's all mail-in balloting or where you have drop boxes or whatever. Uh, you saw Democrats use COVID as an excuse to try to change election law all across the country. They brought those lawsuits actually to South Carolina. Uh, they had what I referred to as the buffet table of how to make fraud easier was basically what they wanted in their lawsuit. We took them all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court in South Carolina. And we beat them. We were the first state to beat them and clear the table with everything that they had tried to do, stop them cold uh, in South Carolina. Every state wasn't so lucky. In some states, we have you know a problem of uh, legislative control where we can't get something you know get Democrats to get on board with fixing a system or going back to something that Americans were essentially used to. Uh, in other places, you had judges who intervened. In other places, it was bureaucrats who got involved. Uh, so it promotes a multi-part strategy. You know, number one, where we've been able to make legislative changes in states, we've done that. We focused on that from Georgia to even South Carolina. We even made we didn't have problems and we even made our election laws tighter uh, a little over a year ago. Other Republican states have done the same thing. In other places, it involves being in lawsuits. The RNC right now uh, by itself is currently involved in over 50 lawsuits around the country uh, seeking to do just that to make our elections more secure. And that's on top of what other conservative grassroots organizations are doing. And then in addition to that, you have 
what do we need to do if we can't make changes in court, we can't make changes in the legislature, what do we need to do to be better at the rules of the game in that particular state to make sure that we win? Uh, because losers don't make policy. You know, you got to win in order to govern. That's our job as a party is to win. So in places uh, uh, where you have all mail-in balloting, how can we be better at that than they are? In places where we have drop boxes uh, and so forth, how can we do that better than they? Uh, that's what we've been focusing on. And that's one of the things that the Bank Your Vote program is, is so important to as a foundation, because no matter what the rules are in these various states, we want to get as many people voting early as possible. So when people go to uh, that website, bankyourvote.com, which, by the way, can be and will be private labeled by every campaign around the country, every statewide race, every state Republican Party, uh, with their own rhetoric and their own face, if you will, all feeding into a central database, which will let us know, one, that you want to vote early, and based on what state you're in, it's going to let you know what the rules are and when, where, and how to vote early in that state. And then every campaign working in that state will know that you want to vote early and can pester you until you do. That's fundamental to what we're going to do next year, and we're test driving a lot of that right now. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. And uh, one of the fundamentals of elections, you do all your ground game, you do all your work, you get great candidates, you raise a lot of money. Right. But then sometimes the other side helps you out a little bit. And I'm just wondering right now, as you look out, you've been in this a long time, Drew. Uh, you have a president whose party can't even condemn Hamas completely, right. can't fully embrace Israel, wants to spend more money and bring inflation up, and wants to double down on Bidenomics when nobody thinks yeah. Bidenomics is working. How good is the Democratic strategy for Republicans right now? Well, I mean, you can look back over the past several years. I mean, I look at South Carolina as a benchmark, you know. Um, you know, for years, people have thought of South Carolina as a conservative state, I would say, right, or a red state, and I would say rightly so. We voted for every Republican since Eisenhower, except for the mistake with that guy from Georgia back in 1976. <laughs> but, you know, but at the local level, that was not true. You know, people would vote Republican at the presidential level, and somewhere down the line, they would split their ticket. And right. it depended on what part of the state you were in. And our state has been in a continual political evolution, if you will. Uh, but what has happened is the line where people were splitting that ticket kept getting lower and lower and lower. And the more campaigns and issues became nationalized, the more you saw that line start to move faster. Uh, we still have straight ticket voting in South Carolina, for instance. And the first time in history that we actually beat Democrats on straight ticket voting in South Carolina was just seven years ago. We wow. beat them by two points. In 18, we beat them by eight points. In 20, we beat them by 17. In 22, we beat them by 27 points statewide. Because the bottom is dropping out among that local support for Democrats in South Carolina, and I would say in a lot of other places around the country, and a lot of it's driven by, I think, national issues and the way the National Democratic Party is moving further and faster to the left. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. So grateful you could join us for this Sunday brunch edition. A big thank you to all of our guests all week long. Man, we had some good ones. Comer, Jordan, and Biggs, and Eli Crane, and Monica Crowley, and all the great guests in and out today and every day of the week. We're so grateful for the time they spend and the conversations we get to have. We give you facts, give you information. We leave you to make up your own mind. We don't try to change your mind. We trust you to make up your own. That's what we're about. All right, that wraps up today. Today's edition of John Solomon Reports. Yep, the Sunday brunch edition. God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back on Monday with regular programming. Until then, have a great day. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. 